So welcome back to the Expert Edge. Uh, today's conversation, I think, is pretty much with one of the biggest guests we've ever had on the Expert Edge. I've been running uh, the Expert Edge for about two and a half years now. We're up to episode, I think, like 170, which is cool, which is cool. I remember when it started out. And I had this vision of having true market leaders, like global market leaders on the podcast to really explore their philosophy, their growth strategies, how they built their expert business, all that sort of stuff. And we have that today just on the next level. And uh, so the conversation we're having is with Dr. John Martini. Now, you may have seen him on The Secret, uh, but essentially he's the world's leading human behavioral specialist. He's a philosopher. He's an international speaker. He's a best-selling author. He's the founder of the Demartini Method, which is a revolutionary tool in modern psychology. Uh, he's been running the Breakthrough Experience for many, many years. He's authored 43 books that have been translated into 40 different languages. And he just presents his insights all over the world in some of the most influential rooms and to the most influential people in the, in the world. And I got to have a conversation with him, which was just a blessing. And he was truly just, a, just incredible to talk with. Uh, just a genuine, authentic person. In fact, that was a lot of the conversation is about authenticity. And I know that authenticity comes up a lot in people's marketing and so forth and how to do it. But what was fascinating about today's conversation is we dive deep into what authenticity really means. And so we discussed this idea of values and how you can actually find your values and why most people don't even realize what their values are. And in fact, your values are driving your results uh, but people are unconscious to their values and then they don't know how, even how to shift their values if they need to. And so we talked about this interesting idea about undervaluing and overvaluing yourself and finding the right balance in terms of how you view yourself and how you view certain situations and really how you can discover your own personal values. In fact, uh, what was fascinating, uh, Dr. Martini, I asked him where he was taking the, the call from. This was not on the podcast, but I said, where are you taking this call from? And he said, oh, if I open up, my curtain behind me, he said, you'll see, you'll see London. Like he was sailing through London. And so we're going to talk about, we kind of talk about why he actually chose to live on a, on a boat, on a yacht for his whole life. So he doesn't even live in a house on the land. He just lives in this luxury yacht. It's so cool, right? And so we explore all of that. And by the way, guys, he has got a tool that I went through just before I jumped on the podcast and it's phenomenal. And it's really called the Demartini Determination Values Process. And so what it does is it helps you to determine what your values actually are. So I'll put the link in the show notes, uh, but you just go to D, uh, drdemartini.com forward slash values, or you can just go to drdemartini.com. And at the top, you'll see it says values. Go and do that. It takes like 10 minutes, 10 to 15 minutes, but it's phenomenal. It's incredibly revealing. So listen to the podcast first and then go and do the values exercise because it's fascinating discovering what your values are. I did mine and I start to re and I reveal them on the podcast, which I'm going to talk about. And we actually talk about what uh, Dr. Demartini's values are, like what his actual personal values are. So it was a really cool conversation. I think you're going to get a lot of value from it. So let's get into it. Let's talk to the leading specialist in behavioral change in philosophy, uh, Dr. John D. Martini. You are listening to the Expert Edge Podcast. This is the place where experts come to command the stage, position themselves as authorities, and scale their business up. Get ready to access your next level of potential with your host, Colin Boy. 
So, Dr. John Demartini, welcome to the Expert Edge. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I was looking forward to this. Yeah. Hey, I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Uh, obviously, many many of the listeners will be familiar with your work. Uh, you you know you've been a forefather, a, a, a true pioneer in this industry and personal growth and really developing into your full potential. Uh, so I'm excited to have this conversation about exploring what's been on your heart, on your philosophy, uh, and what's been really impacting your world uh, over the you know the last season. So uh, I would love to explore in this conversation to kick off around. Uh, you've been doing a lot of work around values and around the, the, the values that drive people's lives. And so I'm really curious about, for you, this work around values, how did this become a really core part of your work? Like, what was the origin of that and that journey? I'm curious. Hey, fine. I, um, I entered into professional school around 1978. And uh, I was curious about one observation I'd made, that many people say they want to do something, and some do it, and some people don't. Why is it that people do what they say, walk their talk, and why some others limp their lives? I was curious. Why? I was curious for myself, because sometimes I would set unrealistic goals, and I wouldn't do them, and other times I would. And I was going, what, what makes things, what makes people congruent not? And that led me to what is it that drives people? What is it that motivates people intrinsically or extrinsically? And that led me to the study of axiology, which is the study of value and worth. And there's, I think I read everything that was in English on that topic within a short period of time. There's not a vast amount. It's not thousands of books on it. It's only hundreds of books. And um, so, but I was never satisfied with what I was reading. I was just thinking that everybody's writing about how people ought to be instead of how they are, you know, it, it's how they should be, ought to be, supposed to be, these moral hypocrisies about how people are supposed to be, instead of what is it that actually makes people live their life? And that it made me discern between an intrinsic and extrinsic value. It made me discern between higher and lower values. And I, I came to some very pretty solid conclusions, I think, over time, that every human being lives by a set of priorities, a set of values that are unique to them things that are most to least important to them. And this set of values dictates how they perceive, how they decide, and how they act. And therefore, their reality and their destiny. And the hierarchy of one's values dictates their destiny because it's, just, it's affecting how they're perceiving and acting. So I want to know what exactly is it allows somebody to maximize their potential. And I found out that when you live by the highest values, which are most intrinsic, which you spontaneously do without needing extrinsic motivation to get you to act, you are most effective and efficient at building incremental momentum on achieving something. And you tend to walk your talk and you spontaneously act, not because you have to, but because you love to. But when you go down in the list of values, they become more extrinsic and you require motivation to do it. Reward if you do it, punishment if you don't mentality. And extrinsic motivation is never as significant as intrinsic drive. You know, I, I have a highest value, which is teaching. I've been doing it 51 years in October, November, 51 years. So nobody has to remind me or motivate me or do anything to get me to do that. I just spontaneously do that. You don't need accountability. Yeah, try to get me to cook or drive. Forget it. I haven't driven a car in 33 years. I haven't cooked since I was 24. 
anything lower on my values that required any extrinsic motivation that wasn't spontaneously inspiring for me to do, I delegated away. All I do is teach, research, write, and travel the world. That's it. Nothing else. You know, I even tell my girlfriend, I said, listen, I delegate even sexuality to, to Brad Pitt, Hugh Jackman. Those guys take care of that for me. I have them do that for me. I'm joking now. That's not, yeah, that's yeah. not real. I, I wouldn't do it. She's pretty hot. But, but in the process of doing that, I learned to delegate because anytime you're doing lower party things, you devalue yourself. Anytime you're doing high party things, you're valuing yourself. And when you value, so is the world. So you are also spontaneously energized to do it. So your energy's up, your self-worth is up, your space and time horizons expand when you're living congruently with your highest values. You tend to pursue challenges that inspire you and you embrace challenges, which wakes up creativity, genius, innovation, and original thinking. You make a difference instead of fitting in. I mean, I could go on and on and on about the significance of living congruently with what you value most. And that's why on my website, drdmartini.com, there's a value determination process to try to help people discern what that is. But I've, I've gone through literally a dozens of different uh, value determinants. Most of them are very subjective biases and hopefuls and what they wish. I'm only interested in what your life demonstrates. That's a very important key because most people will tell you, I want to be financially independent, yet they buy consumables that depreciate in value and they don't really save or invest any money in this. No asset accumulation. I want to be have a new relationship, but yet they've got an unconscious phobia associated with relationship. They're protecting them from it and just seeing a bunch of other people and not being with one. So I don't go by what people say. I go by what they live, what their life demonstrates. Their action speaks louder than words. I want to know what is their life demonstrating because mm -hmm. then I can set goals and help them set goals that they will do and they won't stop on and they'll spontaneously act and they will build incremental momentum that'll become unstoppable in achievement. Hmm. Okay, this is fascinating. And first of all, I, I I just recently went through your value determination process, and and it was it was fascinating. And I want to explore that a little bit today. And so I, I recommend everyone. We'll, we'll put the link in the show notes for everyone listening to go through that process, uh, just because it's really eye opening, creates a lot of awareness. I love this distinction around the highest values have this intrinsic motivation, this like fuel that drives you and the lower values, you almost need like an extrinsic accountability kind of push carrot stick uh, to get them done. That's so fascinating. So in terms of, I'm curious about your values, uh, Dr. John, what, what, what are you, what are you said teaching, which by the way, that is actually, that came out as my second top value teaching. I, I used to be, a teacher at a, at a college. That was like one of my first jobs that I came out of. And I've just been teaching my whole life. Uh, and not as, not as long as you, yeah, I'll get there. I'll get there. Um, but I'm curious, what else are your values? You, you said what you said, uh, researching, teaching, traveling, are they your kind of top values? Yes. Uh, teaching is vague, you know, in my case, but teaching on maximizing human awareness, um, the evolution of human consciousness and the empowerment of the seven areas of life and self-mastery. That, that's that been my focus since I was 17. And I'm wow. 69 almost. So I'm, I'm uh, real close to 69. So I've been doing, you know, a bit of time here. But I, um, I can't think of anything else I'd rather do. See, your innermost dominant thought is an expression of what you value most. So you don't have to be remote-minded to do it. If you take a child that loves video games and it's his highest value, you don't have to say, now, Johnny, stop those chores and your homework and go do that video game. 
They spontaneously do it. That is my life right now. That that is my son. Anything that's lower, lower, you're going to have to motivate people to do. I don't want to be. Anything that I require motivation to do, I hire people who love doing it, who are not needing motivation to do it, and I hire people around me to do those things. I do not do anything but teach every day of my life, research and write, travel the world, because I live on a ship, and um, probably next in line is wealth building, because I want to be, you know, more than financially independent, at least 50 to 100 times financially independent, and um, just meet amazing people, go to amazing places. And travel the world with people I love. That was that was that was my main plan, and I do that. Mm. I don't do anything else. I don't cook. I don't drive. I, I got specialist pilots and, and and you know, hire people to drive, and I got cleaning people and managing people and you know, digital marketing and everything else is take care of. I only teach, research, write, travel, and invest. That's it. That's, yeah, that's so pretty you're, well. You're, underneath that is relationships. Yeah, that's actually underneath. That's for me as well. That's so fascinating. Um, in terms of the, uh, I mean, this is making total sense for me. I, I, I just, I just love this this philosophy. In terms of making that transition, so you know, most of the listeners here are they're experts, they're coaches, they're course creators. So they're really going after a meaningful contribution based life that obviously can make money and and you know create a great life for them. But a lot of them, you know, find a lot of people find themselves in they're kind of doing everything. Uh, they're doing a lot of things they don't enjoy. Um, how do we start to make that transition from really uh, moving out of those lower values and into the the higher ones? Okay, I'll I'll share with you something that that I hope everybody who may be listening out there goes and does because this scaled my business up and transformed my business in eighteen months tenfold. So this I'm is a really simple exercise. Guarantee will work. I brought it to governments. I brought it to corporations. I brought it to con- you know, celebrities. It doesn't matter who it is. They, if they follow this, they'll go places. The first thing to do is get a piece of paper out or a series of pieces of paper and put six columns, five lines. So you got five equally spaced lines, six columns across. Have that ready. On the far left column, in the first top left column, write down daily actions. And write down every single thing that you are doing in a day during a three month period that might happen. So everything you're doing, first do an inventory of what you're spending your time on. Now, when I did that, as I was writing it, I was already starting to think, man, I'm majoring in minors and minoring in majors as I'm writing this. I can see some stuff. I'm really doing some <laughs> trivial stuff. Yeah. I was 27 when I did this, 27 years old when I did this exercise. So this has been with me a long time. So you write on every single thing you do, not vague generalities like marketing, the actual action steps calling, putting inventory together, putting, uh, getting leads, whatever you do, break it down into the individual actions and make a list of every single thing you do during a day over a three-month period. Look at, because some days you do different things, but list it all. Take a look at honestly about who you are and what you're doing. That's the first step. Because until you do, you'll lie to yourself about how you're spending your time. But let's take a look. Next column how much does that produce per hour? Each of those items. That was eye-opening. Because if you're doing something that serves another human being where they're willing to pay for your service and meeting somebody's needs, you know, you're giving a service to people, you'll get paid. If you're doing something that isn't zero pay, you look at that. Why are you devaluing yourself and working and not getting paid? 
and you're not that means you're paying to be doing stuff because it costs you to be doing stuff mm. so anything that's not making you income means you're paying to do it <laughs> it's crazy so it's stop and look at what it is that and and write down what it is per hour so if you spend a half hour on it double it up if you spend two hours and half it up but i wrote those things down and what i was amazed at is i went 10 years of college to go to professional school to be a doc and I found out that that wasn't the most productive thing to be doing with my hour. Startling. I found out that me going out and meeting people and speaking to groups and engaging them to become clients and patients was way more cost effective. I could generate $18,000 an hour doing that on average, where the other one I might make 1800 an hour. So it was quite interesting that I went, wait a minute now, the very thing I went to school for is not the most productive thing. It's the second most productive, but not the first. That was eye-opening. But I made a list of every single thing that I did, and I extrapolated to find out how much it was per hour. And then I realized at that time that I'm going to start charging for some of the things because it's my time. Yeah. And I didn't have the courage to charge because nobody else did. But that's that's a foolish thing to do is follow what everybody else is doing when it's not sensible. So I started charging for what I did, which helped raise income. I started prioritizing what I did from that. And I looked and realized, me going out there uh, as a man on a mission with a message out into the world is the most productive thing I could do. And it hit media and hit television. So I had my own TV show by the time I was 28. And I was out there doing what I can to generate millions of people and thousands of people to come in as patients. So I looked at that. So the second one is how much does it produce per hour? That's a real eye opener. And I guarantee you, you're going to look at that and you're going, ooh, no wonder I'm devaluing myself. Guarantee it. Guaranteed. I've never had anybody do that where they didn't go, ooh, that's a good exercise here. The third column is how much meaning does it have on a one to 10 scale? How much meaning does that have? In other words, if you're inspired and you can't wait to get up in the morning and you spontaneously love doing it, that's a 10. That's a 10 on the Richter scale. But if it's something you've got to go to do, that's a one. So you look at you know, how meaningful and inspiring is it to do that? Now, in my case, when I, when I took that and prioritized the meaning and put all the tens and then the nines and the eights and down and put all the ones that produce the most all the way down to least, it just so happened some of the most, most meaningful also match some of the most productive, which is a blessing. Because now you do something you can't wait to do in the morning and people can't wait to get it. And that's where you actually excel. So when you finish that exercise, you're already going to know, ooh, I know, where I'm, I'm, I know where I'm heading now by looking at what's most meaningful and most productive. Because one's inspiring you and it's paying you and the other one's inspiring others and they're paying you. The next column is how much does it cost to hire somebody to do that job at a greater level than you? Somebody who's an expert that is more, that has a highest value that work. You don't, but they do. They can't wait to do that. They're inspired to do it. You can delegate it. You don't have to micromanage it. How much would it cost to get that? And I don't mean just a salary, but their spatialization, their training, their parking, their, their bonuses, every insurance, everything that's cost, what that is. So you now know what the spread is between the difference of what you're paying, what you're being paid, and what you're paying. So then you've got the spreads to measure, and then you prioritize that according to spreads. So you know which one's able to produce the most income if you delegated it, and the ones that are most meaningful or less meaningful to you. And you get a really good insight about where to go with your delegations and where you go to your priorities. The next column is how much time do you spend on it per week or month or whatever and per day? What exactly is the amount of time you're doing so you know what to do when you're putting a job description together to hire somebody? 
And the last one is the final prioritization taking in all the variables. Now, I'm absolutely certain if you do this exercise and do it thoroughly, it's gold. I mean, I mean I've done it, we've done it in every imaginable place and it, and it works. So then what you do is you go down and you prioritize it all and then you put it in layers. And the bottom layer, you hire somebody from the bottom up. So first you duplicate the effort on things that are low in value. The very last thing you do is duplicate yourself, which is the very highest priority thing. But I just hired somebody. It took three people to hire to get the one person that stayed. The second time I did two people to get hired until it stayed. And after a while, I got more efficient. I started hiring people by values to knowing what their highest value is because that's what they're intrinsically driven to do. And I don't want to hire anybody that doesn't have a highest value on what I'm wanting done. <laughs> don't waste your time on it. If they're not inspired to do what I want to delegate, don't even think about hiring them. Don't ever hire somebody that has to be motivated to do what you want to do. If they need motivation, that's not hiring. That's not hiring. That's abdicating stuff. Not, it, you're not going to work. It's going to cost you. There's never cost to hire and, and delegate properly. Never. It always pays. It's only paying when you're, when you're always, you only, only have to pay out when you're basically hiring people that are incompetent, don't want to really do it. You're just hiring somebody to get rid of stuff that they're that incompetent. Yes, that is good. Okay, so then once I did that, in 18 months from scratch, I went from one assistant and myself to five doctors, 12 staff members, and a clinic that was 1,000 to now 5,000 square foot. And my net profit was tenfold. And I was out lecturing with my own TV show and having them go through and seeing on my show, my clinic, and I was just pulling in the, the patients. And I mean, amazing difference. And now I'm doing only what I love to do, which is basically teaching and doing healing and then training doctors on how to do procedures so they can do it. And then I can leverage them and they can do the things. And I was, I put a training system in there for doctors that were graduating from school. So I made sure that they were being trained. So they paid me to do a training program while they were working in my office, going through my training systems. I got paid by them to train. It was, it was, a, it was a simple process where everybody wins. And then they would go out and know how to run a big practice instead of learn unwisely and be trapped the rest of their life. So I basically set it up where I automatically delegated, prioritized. So if you're not prioritizing what you're doing and filling your day with the highest priority actions that inspire you, it's going to fill up with low priority actions that don't, that inspire you, and it's going to cost you. And you don't want to ever want to do low priority things because you devalue yourself and so do the clients. They, they don't value, they're not going to want to refer to you unless you're doing whatever it is that's absolutely inspiring that's your excellence and service. I mean, that's, that's just brilliant. I, what, what came up for me was I think about different people that I've had on my team that I've hired and it's almost like hiring with bat batteries included, right? You know, when you get the toys and then batteries included, you're like, hang on, this thing doesn't work. Um, so like when you hire them with the right, with the top priority, they got their batteries included. I, I'm curious about you, that last, that last point of, of the, you've got all the columns and then you said you order them and then do you start hiring from the from the bottom up how how do you order them like logically cuz i'm i'm going to do this exercise what what you do is you do anything that's lowest in production lowest in meaning is something you want to trivial it's a trivial thing you want to get yeah, off your plate trivial yes so you don't want to be doing that cuz if you're spending any minute or every hour doing that you're devaluing yourself mm -hmm. and the second you do so does the world and it, it, it is silly. It's insane because you're not inspired to do it. You're putting out fires. You're not inspired. Nice. You're not creative. You're not genius. You're not going to be making a difference playing there. So if you're not sticking to the very highest priority thing, that's why I don't do it except teach, research, write, travel. 
I don't do anything else. I, I, once I learned that at 27, 40 something years ago, almost 42 years ago, I never did that. We never went backwards. I went forward. And, and what's interesting, people say, well, yeah, because you're very wealthy, you can do that. No, I became wealthy because I did it. <laughs> because you did it, yeah. And that's why I was asking that I question. Not because, I didn't have wealth when I started. <laughs> I just figured out how to build wealth. And that was because when you value yourself, you put money in things that go up in value. When you buy, don't value yourself, you put things in to go down in value. People that are uninspired, they go out and buy consumables that other people's brands to feel better about themselves. People that are inspired by what they do and value themselves build brands that other people want to buy. Oh, that's where you want to buy. drop. That's insane. I love that. Oh my gosh. I've never seen it like that. That that you would buy something consumable to make you feel better. But that makes total sense now. Like when 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 you say yeah. like, oh well, you're, you're in your amygdala. When you're living in lower values, your blood glucose and oxygen goes into your subcortical amygdala. And that thing is basically you know, where you're going to go looking for immediate gratification, avoid pain, mm -hmm. seek pleasure. And, and you're not going to go any places unless you're not embracing pain and pleasure in the pursuit of a purpose. You're not going to go any place unless you're pursuing challenges that really inspire you. But if not, mm -hmm. you're going to get challenges that don't. And that's desperation and illness and, and distress. If you're going after something that inspires, you want to tackle challenges. You want to solve people's problems. You want to contribute. You're philanthropic, not debaucherous. And uh, so you want to stay in your executive function and be an executive if you want to get you know, really amazing life, not not down in your amygdala, because any animal can be down there. It doesn't take any effort to be an amygdala. It takes effort to master your life. That's yeah. prioritization. Prioritization is prioritizing your time, your space, your energy, your resource, your money, the people you associate with, what you eat, what you drink. Everything is to be prioritized and be, don't live to eat, eat to live, to maximize performance because you have something of a mission on this planet to contribute. Yeah. In terms of, let's say people would they go through your process, they go through like a, a value determination and they look at their life because I know you do it, you know, based on don't put what you wish it was, put what it actually is. And they go through that process and they go, I don't really like the way that I'm spending my time. I don't really like the way that my values are set up and where that's heading. Uh, have you, have you noticed that happen in people like that, that kind of that yes. incongruence? How does that, what took to that? What, what that is, is a sign that they've subordinated to other people that they admire. They've injected the values of other people they put on a pedestal. They've then confused and clouded the clarity of what it is they want. And they've got an internal conflict. And they live probably with headaches because of it, because they're trying to be somebody they're not. They're envying and trying to imitate other people. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, envy is ignorance and imitation is suicide. And, 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 or Einstein said, you know, my contempt for authority is what made me one. But most people do that. Think about you meeting this, you know, your guy, right? And I don't know, there's people out there with the whole gender spectrum stuff, but I'm a guy that still likes girls for some reason. Yeah, yeah. But if you're a guy and you see this hot chick, right. right? And you're in fatuer there and you're kind of conscious of the upsides and unconscious of the downsides, and you're really enamored with her, you can sacrifice what's important to you to be with her for fear of losing her initially. Now, it won't, you won't sustain that, but at first you do. So if you're going in a mall and you see something you think they're smarter than you and you think they're more successful and you think they got more wealth and a more stable relationship and more socially savvy and they're more physically fit, more spiritually aware, you're going to inject all those values in your life and cloud the clarity of your own mission. And then you're going to confuse yourself with what you really want. And then you're going to lie to yourself. And then you're going to be going and do the value determination and go, well, that's not really what I want. 
Yes, it is. Your life demonstrates your values, but you're comparing it to other people and not appreciating it. And that's a huge thing that people don't get. As long as we compare ourselves to others, our authenticity went out the window. We, we, we are here to compare our daily actions to what we value most, not other people. Because envy is ignorance and imitation suicide. If we put people on pedestals or pits, we're going to not better put ourselves in our heart and put others in their heart. And it's love and it's equanimity that allows authenticity. So it's very important to identify what your true values are, not the injected values, the derivative values, as Hartman calls it, because they will distract you. And you'll so, lie to yourself about what you want. Most people lie. I've been doing value determinations 45 years. 90%, 95% of the people lie about what's important to them. If I, if I stood up in, in South Africa, I'd put my, I, I stood up at a success summit. It was about 5,000 people, and I was the first speaker. I said, how many of you want to be financially independent? Everybody put their hand up. Some put two hands up. Some put their leg in the air, right? And I said, usually the people who put all three up are the ones that are struggling the most. So I said, all right, so now how many of you are financially independent? Seven out of 5,000 people had their hand up. I said, isn't that interesting? Everybody says they want to do it, but they're not doing it. How come? That's incongruency. This is where I started with values. Why are people doing it? Why are not people? And I, then I said, I want you to take this piece of paper, pull this piece of paper out. I'm going to give you 10 million US dollars. You have 60 seconds to write down what you're going to do, the 10 things you're going to do with $10 million. In the end of 60 seconds, I'm going to say stop. Have all 10 of the things you're going to do with your $10 million. Get ready to write. On your market, set, go. And I said, once you've written it, now what we'll do is we say stop and hand it to the person on your left. And now the person on the left, now calculate how much of the $10 million is still an asset usable. <laughs> Between 20 and 80% of $10 million was wiped out on consumables and depreciables within one minute. I bought that house. That's not an asset. It takes money out of your pocket. That car, those clothes, that trip. They bought things to make them feel like, oh, I'm a lifestyle, the rich and famous. Instead of actually buying assets, giving them a passive income that crescendos for the rest of their life with deferred gratification and patience. Smart people do that when they want to be wealthy. The other people, people just pay out and live beyond their means and get further into debt by buying stuff and filling up a house. That's at least at least a quarter of the house is buying empty space to fill it up with crap. Mm. So I, I made them wake up. And then I said, now you tell me you want to be financially independent. But how many of you had assets left over? There were at least 80 percent assets and about 10 people had their hand up. So that's why most people don't get wealthy. The hierarchy of their values dictates their financial destiny. If they don't have a value on wealth building, they're going to spend it on whatever they value. And it's going to be consumables and depreciables. It's not going to be buying an asset that goes up in value that gives you passive income over long-term time. So can you, can you shift your values or is it just more yeah. like set? No, no, no. You have two choices if you want fulfillment in life. Either set goals that are congruent and align with your values or change your values to align with what you say your goals are. You can do it. I can do both. I train people on how to do it in my breakthrough experience program. Yes. I show them how to do it. But if you want to do it, then we have to use Skinner's operant conditioning to associate new sets of pleasures on any value you want to go up and new sets of pains on any value you want to go down. And so it's stacking up associations through asking questions and raising the values on the action steps that are proven to give you an outcome. So if you want financial independence, 
There's a series of actions that are proven to work. If you stack up the benefits of doing that until the advantages of doing that are greater than the advantages of what you're doing now, you'll start moving in that direction. You'll neuroplastically change the dendrites in your brain and you'll move it in the direction of what it is you want to do now. Then you've now got a different set of values and now you'll have a change in what your outcome is. I'm curious for you, obviously you're always studying, researching. What, what's, what's, what are you excited about at the moment? What, what have been some philosophies, some insights? I, I taught neurology back years and years ago and I decided to write a new neurology text. So I'm working on a neurology text. I've written four books in the last year. Um, in addition to that paperbacks, and I've written a neurology text, and I wrote also a book on uh, philosophy last year. So I've been busy about six books in the last year. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, but neurology right now, I'm doing in-depth studies on the brain again and making sure I'm as current as I can on consciousness brain and, and the field phenomenon and effective communication and neuroplasticity and you know anything to do with that area, I'm putting it all into a big text, thousand-page text, text mm -hmm. next. What's your writing process? I'm curious about how, because you, you, I know you've published, I think I had down here, you have 43 books. I know it's probably more than that. Uh, but but uh, what's your writing process? How do, you, how do you get that done? Different things, different ways. I mean, yeah. sometimes I do live presentations. They get transcribed. They make, uh, you know, we get with an editor and chop and paste and play mm -hmm. with it. And then I final edit it. And sometimes I'm sitting down and actually writing a book. Some of my texts are written by me. Some are written by transcriptions of live seminars, uh, but most of it is audio or video audios, uh, presentations that have been transcribed, cut and paste and played with, and we've, we've worked with it. Yeah, no, it's interesting. Um, in, in, terms of, in terms of really kind of growing as a person, getting past fear, getting past self-doubt, I know self-doubt you kind of had on you, that was one of the things that was on my list to, to ask you about, uh, you know, if, if a lot of the listeners, they're coaches, they're speakers, they're trainers, they're wanting to be entrepreneurs, they're growing their businesses, but fear and self-doubt comes up a lot. Talk to me about like your philosophy of, of what self-doubt is and what fear is and how do we start to like shift that and move past that? Or do we even do that? I'm curious. It, it, you know, first of all, fear is your greatest friend. I, I, I'm going to just shatter that friggin' myth that's out there about it. You know why it's a friend? It's letting you know you're pursuing something that's inauthentic and it's partly a fantasy that hasn't been strategized and it's not a real objective. That's all it is. So let's say you go off in your amygdala and you want to go towards pleasure and avoid pain. And you seek a pleasure, but you know, there's no such thing. It's like trying to get a one-sided magnet. The other side comes in, so your mind intuitively brings up the anxieties because you've, you've overlooked them and don't want to look at them. So what you're denying over here in your fantasy your intuition brings up as an anxiety. Your philia has a phobia attached because the philia and phobia, the two poles of a magnet, you don't get anything without both. But if you set an objective, which is down the center, objectivity means neutral. That means you're pursuing something you already know the challenges of. You're mitigating the risk. You're putting a strategic plan in place to handle the risk. Imagine going to Mars like Elon Musk. He doesn't do that with positive thinking. He doesn't go there with fantasies. Yeah. He has engineers think of every possible friggin' thing that can go wrong and how do we solve in advance? And every time it goes wrong, he doesn't see it as a failure. He sees it as one step closer to his objective. Now, that's how you make things happen. So you go and you set up real objectives, which have both sides, positives and negatives, not just positives. And anytime you set a goal that's a positive without a negative, you're going to have anxiety and fear and phobias come up. Anytime you have a, a goal that has no strategy, you're going to have anxieties and fears and things. 
And anytime you set a goal that's not aligned with what you value most, you're designed to have anxieties and doubts and insecurities and self-depreciation because it's a feedback to let you know you're not pursuing a, an authentic goal that's really an objective with a strategy that has real meaning to you. So these are all nice things. These, these anxieties are nothing more than feedback systems to guide you back to what is a real goal that's a real objective that has a real strategy in real time. The moment you do, you don't have anxiety. You have a strategy and you take action. So, uh, so to clarify, what I'm hearing is when fear and anxiety comes up, it's an indicator that you haven't, it's either you haven't got the right strategy in place, like you haven't actually strategized or it's out of alignment. You haven't, with- answered, you haven't answered your anxieties. You haven't solved them yet in advance. If you're living by foresight, you solve things in advance. If you're living by hindsight, you, you don't mitigate anything. You don't have foresight. You're just trial and erring it. And then when it happens with anxiety, you beat yourself up. It's foresight that makes us different than the animals. And it's the ability to go through and, and imagine what's the outcome? What are the pros and cons? They're going to be equal numbers. And how do you stand, handle when those challenges come? What's plan A? What's plan B? What's plan C? What's plan D? So no matter what happens, no problem. We're ready for the next step. And some you will not, not, not know. And when you do, you refine that and see it as the next step. But if you don't plan like that and you don't have a foresight, you don't have a real objective or a real strategy, and all you have is a fantasy, you have to have self-depreciation, anxieties and fears and stuff come in to try to reveal to you the side you've ignored in your planning. So what I'm hearing is that the fear is, first of all, it's a normal part of any sort of progression like it's not it's not the enemy right it's not something that's trying to stop you it's actually trying to like bring up and make a create more clarity around what needs to be strategized is that is that accurate i i had a guy i had a boxer i worked with a boxer the other day you know he's going for a big title and he was having a little bit of anxiety he was comparing himself to the title he was the guy is going against and and so i said okay in order to have a fear Let's take a look at whether it's what's fantasy, because he, he was boasting and a little bit cocky and proud, which usually means you're overlooking things. And we looked at what's the, what do you envision in your mind? Because fear is never of the unknown. Fear is whatever you've conjured in your mind that you're anticipating in the future that's got more drawbacks and benefits in your imagination. So I go in and identified them. We identified nine of them. We went in and going, okay, let's find a contingency plan for each one of those. And how do we prepare for that? And what happens if this happens? We went through every one of them. It took about three hours to go through the entire thing. When he was done, he goes, head centered now. I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready for him. If we, we mitigate all the risks, so there's no anxiety. The second you're anxiety, you're comparing yourself to him. You're minimizing yourself. You're setting up a fantasy, and you're having anxiety to point it, to humble you, to go back and set real strategies until you're certain. When we got through, he was ready. Mm-hmm. Anxiety wasn't there. But simply because he didn't have his strategy. If he does this, the guy comes in with a left hook, what are you going to do? How are you going to dance? And we took every possible thing he could see that could go wrong that he was thinking about in his mind that was an anxiety, and we solved each one of them piece by piece. We literally broke it down into pieces until all of them were clear and he knew what he was going to do. Mm-hmm. Same as Phelps does when he goes and gets his gold medals. Exactly the same procedure. Mm-hmm. I'm curious how much... Uh, how much do you work on state management? Because I know that energy, philosophy, you know, thinking, belief systems, like all of that is a part of what you do. But how much state management, like, and and I know that you were a part of the secret, the original kind of the secret and so forth. And I think actually 
uh, I was watching one of your your videos recently, and you you said the secret behind the secret that's left out of the secret was <laughs> that finding well, what's most. What, what were you going to say? Yeah, don't waste your time setting goals that aren't really congruent with your highest values, or you're just automatically going to self depreciate. Yeah, yeah so I love that. You're but, not designed. You're not designed to be authentic. Inauthentic. You're not designed to be inauthentic. You're designed to be authentic. So anytime you set up a fantasy that's an injected value, it's not yours, or something low on your values is not meaningful, you're going to get doubt, insecurity, fear, and phobias as a feedback to let you know you're not being authentic. And when you're authentic, you automatically are so inspired to do it, you'll mitigate the risk, you'll take on the challenges, and you will plan it. If you're wow. not planning it, you're not metricing the plans, and you're not mitigating the risk in advance, you're not on track with what you really value. Hmm. And so in the context of now this, this, the, the piece of energy. So uh, tell me, talk to me about how, how we rise in our energy and attract more things into our world. Obviously, like there's a lot of strategies. There's a lot of mitigation that goes, it's not just like energy sitting on a couch thinking and believing about something. Um, but talk to me about how you, what your philosophy of like just the energetic being and, and how, what we create in our world from being, like the energy we bring into the room and who we are. I'm curious on, on your thoughts on that. Yeah. If you infatuate with somebody, you're blind to the downside. If you're resentful, you're blind to the upside. If you love somebody, you see both sides simultaneously. So if you're blind to it, whatever you're unconscious of is a disowned part. You just drained your energy because you're now letting it extrinsically run you because anything you infatuate with occupies space and time in your mind and runs you. Anything you resent occupies space and time you're run you. And almost everybody knows if they've been highly infatuated or highly resentful, they can't sleep at night. They're dissipating. They've got all this noise in the brain. It's, there's no clear consciousness. But the second you bring those into balance, you're poised, you're present, you're purposeful, you're prioritized, you're productive, you're empowered, and you're basically, you're now the king in your life. You're the master of your fate, captain of your ship, because you're not distracted by illusions. And so every time you're disowned parts by being too humble or too proud to admit what you see in others inside you, you dissipate energy. And the dissipated energy is letting you know you're not being authentic. The second you're authentic, your energy is just infinite. The energy is infinite once you recognize the source. The source is pure authenticity by living congruently by what you value most. There's no lack of energy to people who are congruent. They're very high energy people. Wow. So I love this distinction of like you're either too proud or too humble. And then you find this middle piece and that creates energy. Is that, I'm, I know I'm just feeding back to you. Like, is that. Think, think about it. Think about E equals MC squared. And, and Paul Dirac's work and his principles of, of quantum mechanics in 1947, at least the version that I read, uh, he said, you got particles, nanoparticles. If you merge them together, you get energy. If you separate them, you get particles and nanoparticles. By Einstein's equation, you convert energy into matter. So matter weighs you down gravitationally but energy lightens you up and radiates. So what you're doing is you're taking these matter and antimatter, which are positively or negatively charged valent particles and merging together and synthesizing them and taking out the charge and neutralizing them. And now your energy is infinite once you recognize that source. So it's extracting out space and time from the mind and creating entangled particle and antiparticle thinking in order to have the flow of energy. So I've been doing that since I was 18, figuring out how that works. And I am absolutely certain that when you get congruent, your energy levels soar. Mm. And, and when you soar, 
that your energy is directly proportional to the speed at which you see both sides of events. So if you see an event, you're all elated about it, your energy is going to be one side, it's going to be missing the downside. If you're resentful, it's going to be missing it, and it's going to sway you into an infatuated manic state or depressed state. That's not where the power is. It's a poised, present, empowered, centered state. All martial artists, Bruce Lee understood that. If you're not centered, they run you. When you're centered, you run them. When you get up to speak, I know you've spoken to huge audiences. You know, you're one of the most in-demand speakers in the world. Um, what goes through your mind when you get up on stage? Like, how do you prepare mentally, emotionally? I'm curious. I don't have a preparation for a talk. Hmm. I research and write every single day of my life. And I only talk about something I know. And if I focus on what I know and I focus on what the mission is and message is, I don't even think about it. I don't have a fear of speaking. I may have a concern about not speaking, <laughs> but I don't have a fear about speaking. Yeah. Oh, that's because I think yeah. about my mission. You know, if you're if you're having fear about speaking, it's because you're thinking about yourself. And if you're thinking about yourself, that means you're comparing yourself to somebody in the audience you think's more knowledgeable than you, and you're beating yourself up and self-absorbed. And you can't do a presentation because you won't be in your heart. You'll be in anxiety. So you always focus on the mission and start with only what you know. Only speak about with something you're certain about. Don't waste your time on anything else. In terms of making offers to an audience, because obviously like you run live programs, you, you, know, you sell products, all that sort of stuff. How have you found yourself kind of even managing the whole like selling side of things? Because that's definitely a big conversation that we have on our podcast a lot around how do you get really congruent making an offer to an audience? Because a lot of people feel, you know, too pushy or they don't want to be like too overbearing on people, all that sort of stuff. Like, how have you worked through that? Or, you know, how have you evolved in your thinking around making offers and selling? Well, I don't really focus on that, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> That's not my focus. My focus is content. Yeah. Unless some guys out there love to sell and content second. I'm a content guy. I don't, I have to be reminded to sell. It's not my focus. <laughs> yeah. but my, my dad said, if you give people more than what they expect, they don't ever worry about business. So I try to make sure that people walk away with more than they expect and deliver something of high value that's original that they can't get anywhere else. And I let that take care of itself. And then I get, I don't try to market and focus and try to get everybody to come to my thing. And I, I'm looking for people that resonate with what I'm up to. And I've been doing it for 50 plus years. And it seems like I've, I've, done pretty well i can't complain <laughs> yeah you've you've done great you've done great so i'm curious what um yeah what over the next over the next year or so for you uh just so our listeners are aware of like what's kind of your focus where are you heading towards are you doing the neuroscience like is that kind of your real kind of intention at the moment well, or i'm I, curious i i've been in neuroscience i, I taught neurology when i was 24 wow. uh, in professional school so i've been doing neurology and pathology and mind body stuff for a long time. So that's not new. I just figured I'd update a new textbook on neurology because I wanted to bring it up to date. But that's just one thing. Anything to do with maximizing human awareness of potential. As I've gone through life, I meet people. Today I've, I had a breakfast with a famous astronomer, right? And so anytime I meet amazing people that are cutting edge in their field, I ask them anytime they find something that absolutely wakes them up and inspires them, send it to me. 
So I have about 20 different people out there in different fields sending me new information constantly. I'm constantly researching. I have a team of people that help me. We are constantly doing what we can to feed our mind with the greatest ideas by the greatest minds on the planet on a daily basis. And so I can't wait to share that with people. My, 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 biggest, my biggest tool of marketing is not marketing gimmicks. I don't know all that. I, got, I delegate that. Yeah, yeah. What, I, what I do is just make sure I have something that's so inspiring that people want that. And that's my responsibility as far as I'm concerned. I, that's my love. And that's my responsibility. If I do that, the people that resonate with that, they, they find me. The people that don't, I can't force it on them. I don't want to gimmick them. I don't want to. That's not my thing. I just, I just want to share something that inspires me, that I love sharing, that I know will make a huge difference in people's lives. And I've got thousands of people proving that. And I don't want to share something I'm not certain about. If you do that, you'll, you'll probably do pretty well in, in your, your coaching and business. Just be sincere. Don't, don't have to, you don't have to be somebody you're not. Just the magnificence of who you are is far greater than any fantasies you're going to put on yourself. So don't compare yourself to somebody that's, oh, I should be doing this. I need to be doing this. I got to be doing this. I don't do any of that. I teach, research, write, and travel. And then I draw in the people or hire the people that do all the other stuff. But what my main focus is, is me delivering a quality piece of information that they're not going to get anywhere else. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, it's, it, it, it has that feeling of, which it is, is just that authenticity. It's that congruency yeah. of, it's yeah. who I am, it's if, unique. If I, don't know, I just say, I don't know. Yeah, that's yeah, so I don't, good. I don't have a, I've never done a sales script, you know, say this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I'm, I'm, I'm incompetent in that area. <laughs> you know, I had, a, I had a guy that was, uh, I'm not going to say who or I'm not yeah. going to say where it was, but a guy who wanted me to come and speak on his conference. Yeah. And right before he got up and speak, he said, here's the sales script you need to do at the end. And I go, you can't get a speaker in five minutes before he's about to go on and expect to do a sales script. Oh, so yeah. I, uh, I got up at the end and I, and I, and I figured that I'll, he'll never have me back. He'll never, he'll never have me back. Cause I'm not going to match his need for selling this stuff. And I, and I, I said, look, I just delivered something. I got a standing ovation, but I didn't do a sale. I didn't do anything else, but I had about 700 people come up. What's what's next. <laughs> <laughs> what's next. So good. I said, I don't know. What would you want? <laughs> what? And so the guy, the guy was upset. He said, you didn't sell anything. And I said, maybe I did. Maybe you didn't see it. Maybe yeah, I put your conference you on the map, buddy. I said, you're, you're, you're not seeing the obvious. You're wanting immediate that. gratification instead of building a brand. And immediate gratification isn't going to take you as far as a brand building. So there's a guy there that came up and said, I was inspired by your presentation. Can I host you to do some more of these programs? I said, yeah. He said, you have an exclusive. No, this guy tested me out, but I didn't sell like he wanted. I'm not the biggest seller. You sure you want me to, to go on your programs? Because if you want to sell, I'm not the guy. And then uh, he, he said, no, we want you because we just saw the biggest crowd coming up to you afterwards for two hours waiting to ask questions. Yeah. I said, that's what we're looking for. I said, then great. I'm for that. But I, I couldn't tell you a sales script. Don't even know how to do that. I can tell you what I'm about to do. If I know, if you, if you let me know what I'm doing next, I'll tell you. And I'll tell you what's in it. But I don't have this, you know, scripted, really polished sales system, which is probably yeah. stupid, right? They, all the sales people say I'm stupid for doing that, but <laughs> I'm still here. No, you're still here. Well, you're the, you're the real deal. And um, I think people can sense that. They can feel that. Uh, now, uh, Dr. Martini, it's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Uh, I'm going to put in the show notes a link to your website. Guys, 
make sure you go and do the values determination process. It'll take you 10 or 15 minutes, but it's phenomenal. It's, it's a transformational experience. I've got mine literally in front of me looking at my values and uh, it's been very insightful. And, and I know for me, it's going to you know help me to make some of the decisions moving forward. So um, last question that I have for you, uh, Dr. Demartini is imagine it is the end of your life and, and people are standing around talking about you, which will eventually happen. And it's your friends, it's your colleagues, it's your partners, it's your just beautiful people in your life. What would be your hope that they would be whispering to each other about you? Um, I don't know if I can say that on the air. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I wanted to be so dedicated to what my mission is and have the biggest and broadest depth of information on the area of human behavior that it, that it far surpasses anybody in history. And I figured that in the afterlife like that, if I after I pass like that, I'm just going to have a Demartini Ouija boards and they'll be able to access Q and A afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> a Q and A session. I love that. Oh, that is so good. Well, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. I know that you are truly a man on a mission and um, I'm excited about the, uh, the journey that's going to continue to unfold for you. So thanks for coming on the Expert Edge. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Why is it so hard to know what content to include in your speeches and webinars? Knowing which ideas to keep in and what to leave out is the difference between just getting claps or signing clients. If you're really serious about making your content highly persuasive, make sure to download the Persuasive Content Builder while it's still available. Go to www.persuasivecontentbuilder.com and get your step-by-step -step formula for designing and delivering content that connects with your audience and moves them to join your programs. Until then, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Expert Edge.